At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. What does every grocery store aisle now have in common? Products that come in paper packaging. And we don't just mean the obvious ones like cereal boxes and juice cartons. From beauty products to boxed water, there are more opportunities to go paper-tarian than ever before. So why should you? Because paper comes from a renewable resource and can be recycled up to seven times. Simply put, it's the smart choice for the environment. And it turns out, the easiest choice for you. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. Breaking down every game every day in Major League Baseball, this is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson. A warmer brother low, welcome to Lovey Las Vegas for the baseball betting show with myself, Greg Peterson, now part of the Easton Family Podcast. Got a tremendous podcast for you. It's in the second segment. We're going to be joined by Justin Perry of Odds Checker. He does an amazing job taking a look at the game of baseball that we all know and love. We're going to be taking a look at a few games for Sunday, some of the betting angles that he's taking a look at moving forward, and he's going to be taking quite a look at some of these AL East teams as well. So, We've got a lot of good stuff coming up with Justin in the second segment and then in the final segment. Going to give you guys picks and analysis on every game on the betting board for this MLB Sunday as we touch them all. First things first, always do love to be able to answer your Twitter questions on this podcast. So you've got one or two ways we offer those in. First one is my Twitter timeline at GNRNS41. Keep in mind, letters ZM. Maybe it does not matter. So as per usual, please do send these into the timeline the other way. That is via an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated from there. Terrible fire, whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast via that five star review. Really did not wind up getting in any Twitter questions today, but had a fun-filled day of baseball on Saturday. So let's take a look back at it. Try to find some trends in. Try to get to know these teams a little bit better. A game from yesterday is Greg buzzing about. Here is the rowdy recap. The Toronto Blue Jays don't wind up putting up 28 runs, but they get enough to be able to get the job done against the Boston Red Sox. 4-1 to the final. Alec Manoa. Manoa, what? This guy was pretty darn good. He does wind up allowing a solo home run, but gives up just one run over the course of six innings. That home run to Bobby Dahlbeck, his eighth home run season as the Red Sox go 0-5 with men in squaring position and for Cutter Crawford. Well, it's better than what the Red Sox did yesterday. He gave up three runs over the course of six innings. From there, John Schreiber, Tanner Oak, give you a scoreless inning before Ryan Brazier gives up a run out of the bullpen and the Toronto Blue Jays all of a sudden. I've been showing some life out there in the bullpen. Adam Simber, Jordan Romano, 
combined for two scoreless innings, and Yimmy Garcia was able to give you a scoreless inning as well. Houston Astros won a low-scoring game against the Seattle Mariners, 3-1 the final. Justin Verlander, another masterful start. He does wind up allowing a solo run, but nine punch-outs with that one run allowed over the course of seven innings as it was Carlos Santana, who was able to get his ninth home run season on the flip side for Logan Gilbert. Tough luck loser, in my opinion. Good start, eight punch-outs. Two runs allowed in six innings. Matt Brash gives up a run in an inning, but Ryan Baruki, Diego Castillo both give you a scoreless inning. But for the Astros, you wind up having Brian Abreu give you a scoreless inning along with Parker Bushinsky to be able to get this one to the window. You had the Guardians and the White Sox wind up playing a pair. Guardians wind up taking game number one by kind of 7-4 as for Cleveland. Tristan McKenzie, a relatively solid start, giving up one run in five and two-thirds innings before Eli Morgan really gets blown up in this one. Three runs surrendered in an inning. He did have Trevor Steven, though, and Emmanuel Classe be able to go two and a third inning scoreless in for the Guardians. They wound up having Mr. Jose Ramirez be able to step up now as 78 RBI this season as he was able to get an RBI in the ninth inning as the Guardians. They put up three runs as a collective in the ninth inning as Liam Hendricks. He gives up those three runs over the course of his inning. Kendall Graveman, a scoreless inning in for Johnny Cueto. In my opinion, might have been left out there a little bit too long. He gives up four runs, three of which were earned over the course of seven innings for the White Sox as well. They do go four of nine with men in scoring position, but they're unable to get it done in this one. And then in game two, you did wind up seeing the White Sox be able to bounce back by kind of five to four as Lance Lynn, for just the second time this season, allowed fewer than three runs in a start. Actually went six scoreless before bullpen tried to throw this one away. Jose Ruiz winds up giving up three runs in two-thirds of an inning, and Rinaldo Lopez gives up a run while getting just one out. But Joe Kelly, Matt Foster both give you a scoreless inning in for the Cleveland Guardians. What's the case which Connor Pilkington lent a relatively solid start, giving up two runs over the course of five innings, but then you wound up having a run given up in an inning by Anthony Castro and Brian Shaw, one and two-thirds innings. He winds up giving up two runs before Nick Sandlin gets an out out of the bullpen. And for the White Sox, they were able to get a home run off of Castro as going deep. Eloy Menes, name that we haven't said too much, his third home run of the campaign. So those two teams wound up splitting in that series. You do wind up seeing the Milwaukee Brewers get a pretty convincing win over the Colorado Rockies by a count of 9-4. to four. And for the Rockies, it was all about Jose Ureña. What were you going to be able to get out of him as he had been very solid in his first three starts and ironically enough was going up against a Brewers team that he was a log reliever for a little bit earlier in the season and boy, it did not wind up going as planned for him. Six runs, five of which were earned, given up in five and a third innings as he also allowed a home run to Hunter Renfro, 15th home run of the season and Brandon Woodruff, he was solid. Giving up one run over the course of six innings, Trevor God was able to give you a scoreless saying though Connor Sadzik, you know, he did wind up giving up three runs in his inning of work and the newly acquired Jake McGee with his North of 6-5 ERA with the San Francisco Giants. Good first inning with the Brewers. Was able to hold the Colorado Rockies scoreless. And for the Brewers, 6-9 of nine with Ben in scoring position. As for the Rockies, you've least seen the former Brewer gives up two runs in one and two-thirds innings. And Robert Stevenson, an honored run, gave it up in his inning of work, though, for the Rockies. Pair of home runs in this one. Jonathan Daza, first home run of the season. CJ Crone, 22nd home run of the season, both coming off of Sadzik in that ninth inning. You did wind up seeing the Chicago Cubs take their second straight game from the Philadelphia Phillies. 6-2 the final as this one winds up going to the 10th inning. Fortunately, no bad beat on a total as this one winds up staying under, but six runs scored in the 10th inning between these two teams as both starters were terrific. Marcus Stroman gives up one run over the course of six innings. Zach Wheeler and Adil Wheeler, one solo run given up in his seven innings of work as going deep for the Cubs. Nico Warner, six home run season then. 
Steven Brault, Michael Givens combined for two scoreless innings for the Cubs. David Robertson, he gives you a scoreless inning, and then Brandon Hughes gives up an under run in the 10th inning. But for the Philadelphia Phillies, you know, it's all about Jose Alvarado really stinking up the place. And this one gives up five runs, three of which were earned in a third of an inning. Andrew Bellotti along Connor Brogdon combined for a scoreless inning. Brad Ann along Sir Anthony Dominguez combined for one and two-thirds inning scoreless. But Jose Alvarado winds up giving it up as the Cubs may wind up being able to get the job done in this one. And after they had wound up having, shall we say, not so much of a great end of the first half of the season. Losers of nine out of their last ten. Two straight wins for them. The Minnesota Twins wind up being able to get to the Detroit Tigers, 8-4. to four. The uh, Twins are able to get it done as wind up seeing six runs in the eighth inning. Wind up pushing this total over as Joe Ryan, a very solid start for the Twins giving up one run in five and two-thirds innings. Emilio Pagan and out of the bullpen. And you did have Ty Duffy along with Johan Duran. Both give you a scoreless setting, but Giovanni Morin gives up three runs in two-thirds of an inning before... Trevor McGill is able to give you an out of the bullpen, but for the Minnesota Twins, Carlos Correa gets his 12th home run season. That comes off of Michael Pineda, who wasn't really Michael Pineda in this one just because he wasn't in long enough to really be Mr. Pineda, giving up that home run two runs in total over the course of three innings. Tyler Alexander is a long guy, three scoreless innings, but then from there, the, uh, shall we say, fielding of the Tigers was not so great. Andrew Chafin and Will Vess both give up three runs, but only one of which was earned for each of them as Chafin gets an out of the bullpen. Will Vess, a full inning. Joe Jimenez gives you a pair of outs out of the bullpen, and Jason Foley was able to give you a scoreless inning. So the fielding, very costly for the Detroit Tigers and any underbetters out there. The Cardinals were not costly to you, though, as they wind up taking down the Cincinnati Reds 6-3, the final for St. Louis. Steven Mass, not great, not terrible. You don't wind up seeing a lot of average starts from him, but Duran's given up in five and a third innings. From there, Junior Fernandez winds up giving up a solo run over his inning of work going deep for Cincinnati. A little bit of a new one. First home run of the season for Mark Colosavari. Hopefully I'm saying that one correctly, but rest of the Cardinals were able to hold down the Fortis. Giovanni Gallegos and Ryan Elsley both give you four outs out of the bullpen without giving up a run. And for St. Louis, Paul Goldschmidt, the short shot to win NL MVP right now on the odds board. He winds up going deep for his 22nd home run of the season. And then Tyler O'Neill was able to get his fifth as both of those home runs Given up by Mike Miner has been a very major disappointment as he winds up surrendering five runs over the course of four innings, including both of those home runs and for Mr. Mike Miner. The team has won one of his starts thus far this season. The best thing I can say is that there was one one-run defeat along the way for him, but with that said, the guy, I believe, has now made nine starts. The team has won and eight in them. Jeff Hoffman winds up giving you a squirrel saying Joel Kuno gives up a run in an inning, and then Dory Maretta along with Ian Gabo combined for three squirrel sayings to be able to hold this total under. The DK Nation pick of the Pittsburgh Pirates hits as the Buccos walk the plank to a 1-0 win. It's turned into a bullpen game for the Miami Marlins as Max Meyer gets a pair of outs uh, before he winds up having to bow out of this game. He did not allow a run, and then Zach Pop gives you four outs out of the bullpen. Tommy Nance, a scoreless inning. Richard Blyer, two scoreless innings. Sanders Scott gives up a run in two innings to Dylan Flora, a scoreless inning as the Miami Marlins were dodging bullets all night long. Pirates go 1 of 11 with Ben in scoring position, but that one run, enough for Jose Quitana, a man that might be on the move soon. Seven scoreless innings. Will Crow, David Benar, they both give you a scoreless inning out of the bullpen as the Miami Marlins now three runs or fewer in nine out of their last 12 games. So, certainly not going great for this offense. 
Things not going great for the New York Yankees either. They have now lost three out of their last four games as the Baltimore Orioles get the job done by a count of 6-3 as Garrett Cole, a little bit of a lackluster start. He's got north of a four ERA on the road, giving up four runs, three of which were earned over the course of six innings. You end up having Albert Abreu from there give you a squirrel saying, but Shane Green, a name we haven't said in quite a while, gives up two runs in his ending of work with a home run to Ramon Urias being the backbreaker, 10th home run of the season. Jordan Lyles does wind up giving up three runs over the course of five innings, including a homer going deep for the Yankees. Matt Carpenter, 14th home run season, and he's getting a home run every six and a half at-bats. It's insane, but the Orioles are in the top five in the league in terms of bullpen area, and they showed it. Felix Batista, C.N.O. Perez, Brian Baker, Ode Lopez, I'll give you a squirrel of setting as the Orioles back to 500 at 47 and 47. The Oakland A's in the nightcap. They take down the Walker, Texas Rangers by a count of 3-1 to one as for Texas. Nothing doing for this team. They strand nine men on base. Matt Bush was the opener, and he gave you a scoreless setting, and for Taylor Earn, he added up a few bullets, but three and a third inning scoreless. Dennis Santana, he wound up being the victim of some bad fielding. He gives up two runs, one of which was earned while getting just two outs out of the bullpen. Matt Moore gives up an unearned run in his two innings of work as well as the Texas Rangers had a pair of errors out there in the field. You did wind up having Jonathan Hernandez give you a scoreless inning, but that was more than enough for James Caprillion of the A's. Five scoreless innings out of him. The Oakland A's also had to dodge some bullets as they went 1 of 11 with men in scoring position. The Rangers 1 of 7. So, sad display of offense in this one as Domingo Acevedo gives up a run while going 1 and a third innings. He did have Sam Mall, Kirby Sneed, combined for 1 and 2 thirds innings scoreless before Zach Jackson comes on. He's able to lend a scoreless inning to be able to get the job done out there. The Washington Nationals continue to just stink up the joint. 7 to 2, the Arizona Diamondbacks wind up being able to get it done as Anibal Sanchez. Three runs surrendered over the course of five innings, including a home run to Carson Kelly. That was his fifth home run season. From there, Andres Machado raises his ERA to a 475, giving up four runs in two-thirds of an inning. Arasimo Ramirez along Steve Cizek in combined two and a third innings. Corliss and for Washington, main form of offense, that'd be Victor Robles. He winds up getting his third home run season off of Madison Baumgartner. As Baumgartner gives up two runs in eight complete innings, giving up that solo home run from there. Luke Weaver was able to give you a scoreless setting in for the Diamondbacks. Four of eight with men in scoring position, and the Diamondbacks have played nearly two-thirds of their home games to the under thus far this season. And this is one in which, if you take a look at the closing line, a lot of places wind up having this as a push at nine. The Atlanta Braves, they wind up playing us to the Angels, and the Angels continue just completely mire in mediocrity. This is an Angels team that I believe that they have now lost something like 42 out of their last 59 games. 7-2 the final. The Braves wind up getting it done as Patrick Sandoval allows five runs in three innings. You wind up having two runs in an inning surrendered by Austin Warren as he winds up allowing a home run along the way going deep for Atlanta. Austin Riley, what else is new? 28th home run of the season. From there, Ime Barillo, who's actually been very good in long relief. Four scoreless innings, but that was a little bit too little too late. Joy Otani, 20th home run of the season, and the Angels have now lost each of the last six games that Otani has homered in. That is a record. There has been no player who has homered in seven games, and all seven of those games have been losses all consecutively. Otani might become the first player to do that the next time he winds up going deep as that home run was allowed by Kyle Wright. Gives up two runs over the course of six innings, including that home run, and then from there, A.J. Minter, Jesse Chavez, Tyler Madzik, all were able to give you a scoreless inning. You did wind up having the Tampa Bay Rays wind up falling to the Kansas City Royals by a count of 6-3 to three, as the Rays wind up playing three runs in the third inning, but from there, you did wind up having the Royals be able to get a three spot in the eighth inning to be able to separate themselves as Ryan Yarbrough and Luis Patino both wound up pitching four innings in this game, so they piggybacked off of one another. Both gave up three runs, but Yarbrough 
wound up giving up a pair of homers, and both of these did wind up coming in that eighth inning. Bobby Wood Jr., 14th home run season. Michael A. Taylor is sixth for Brady Singer. He was singing the strikeout song. 12 punch-outs over the course of six innings, giving up two runs, one of which was earned hurt by Bobby Wood Jr. Now it's 14 errors this season. That's a little bit rough. Scott Barlow, though, he was able to pitch two scoreless innings to get the W. Taylor Clark, he was able to come in for an inning. Did wind up giving up a run along the way, but for the race, been a little bit up and down for them recently. It's been a little bit of a downer recently for the San Francisco Giants, and they have now lost three state games as the Dodgers. They win by a count of 4-2, and for the Dodgers, among their 63 wins, all but seven have been by multiple runs. They certainly have been a solid run line team as Julio Arias wound up being able to lend a very solid start. He goes six scoreless innings. You did have Reyes Maranta wind up giving up two runs in two-thirds of an inning, and you did wind up having from there David Price be able to get the save, getting the final out of this one, but you had Caleb Ferguson, Evan Phillips, both lend a scoreless inning, and for the Dodgers, a little bit of yard work in this one as Alex Wood winds up blowing home runs to Mookie Betts and Trey Turner down for what? Turner, 15th home run season, Mookie Betts is 22nd, and then for Freddie Freeman, goes deep off of John Brebbia, 15th home run season for Brebbia, gives up one run in one and a third innings. He did have Jordan Garcia give up a run in an inning as well before Junior Marte and Sammy Long give you one and two thirds innings, scoreless out of the bullpen, but for Wood, not a lot of length. He gives up those two home runs, two runs in total over the course of four innings. And for the Dodgers, they've been one of your better under teams recently as well. And a team that has been a little bit up and down the season in the Slam Diego Padres. They go to New York and they get their second straight win, 2-1 to one the final. Blake Snell entered into the game on Saturday, having an ERA right around six on the road ever since. He wound up getting traded from the Rays to the Slam Diego Padres, but this was a good road start. Five scoreless innings and the Padres have been 1-9 in his starts prior to Saturday. From there, you did have Nabel Crismet, Adrian Motahone, and Luis Garcia combined for three scoreless innings. And you did have Taylor Rogers get into a little bit of a sticky bind, but he's able to get the save, giving up one run in his inning of work. And for the Padres, main form of offense, that'd be Manny Machado. Gets a 16th home run season off of Chris Bassett. Took a hook line and sinker over Bassett. 11 punch outs, seven innings, giving up two runs, but not good enough for the win as the Mets go one of nine with men in scoring position. Adam Adovino and Edwin Diaz both lend a scoreless inning out of the bullpen as well. And just taking a look at what we wound up getting in the MOB on Saturday, just three unders. So it was very much an overfest out there. But if you're taking a look at Major League Baseball over the last three days, we have been seeing a few more unders and overs. 176 unders to 159 overs. That is a clip of 52.5% to the under. And home favorites, they have just not been able to cover run lines recently. They're 140 and 96 straight up. That's 59.3%. But among those 140 wins, 53 have been by approximately one run, so take caution there if you're looking to take some home favorites and overall underdogs over the last 30 days. Hitting at about a 42.2% clip, 147 and 201 is their record, and overall for the season, underdogs hitting more around 40.3%. Favorites, 823 and 556 on the campaign. Home favorites, they're hitting about 59.5% of the time, 526 straight-up wins by home favorites, but we have now seen 170 Home favorites be able to not cover the run line, win by approximately one run, and overall for the season, unders hitting at a rate of 51.6%, 678 unders to 636 over. So we're seeing a baseball right now, and that's what we want up getting on Saturday. Coming up next, we're going to be previewing Sunday's slate of baseball with one of my favorites, Justin Perry, over there at Odds Checker. That is up next right here on the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now a part of the Decent Family Podcast.
At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I bet you're smart. Yeah, and you like to hold your own in the group chat. We can help you drop even more knowledge. My name is Martine Powers. And I'm Elahe Izadi. We host a daily news podcast called Post Reports. Every weekday afternoon, Post Reports takes you inside an important and interesting story with the kind of reporting that you can only get from The Washington Post. You can listen to Post Reports wherever you get your podcasts. Go find it now and hit follow. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game, King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think he could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, exactly. he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. He's, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he ain't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. 
Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game. King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think he could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, exactly. he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. He's, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he ain't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I bet you're smart. Yeah, and you like to hold your own in the group chat. We can help you drop even more knowledge. My name is Martine Powers. And I'm Elahe Izadi. We host a daily news podcast called Post Reports. Every weekday afternoon, Post Reports takes you inside an important and interesting story with the kind of reporting that you can only get from The Washington Post. You can listen to Post Reports wherever you get your podcasts. Go find it now and hit follow. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game. King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think he could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, exactly. he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. He's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he didn't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Breaking down every game, every day in Major League Baseball, this is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson. 
And we're back here in lovely Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now part of the Beeson Family Podcast, and it is great to be joined by our guest, as Justin Perry is doing a great job taking a look at the game of baseball over there at Odds Checker, and on top of that, he does some great projections over there at Numbers Edge. If you're a little bit more of a fan of NFTs, he's got you covered there as well as Collective does a great job with the NFT community that is at Collective XYZ, and to be able to follow Justin Perry on Twitter, that is at his name. Justin Perry, and then the number eight at the back half of that last name is spelled P-E-R-R-I. And Justin, always a pleasure, my friend. Thank you. Greg, it is always a good time to be on the show. Excited to talk a little bit about some baseball. I am as well. And you know what? It is a great time to be able to take a look at this sport because we are just coming off of the All-Star break. And with us just coming off the All-Star break, you handicap these next, I will call it, week or so of games a little bit differently because we know that the trade deadline is going to be looming. There's going to be a lot of pitchers specifically that are going to be on display for teams that, well, they're going to need arms at the trade deadline. I'm looking at you, a lot of teams out there in the American League East that aren't the New York Yankees, and even the New York Yankees to a little bit of a lesser extent as well. But do you wind up handicapping these games the next week or so a little bit differently, given that we do have some rest of bullpens and on top of that, guys are certainly going to be on the move and most likely going to be featured a bit more? Yeah, I think that you have to take a look at some of these teams in terms of their futures odds, maybe to make the playoffs, to have that type of push, maybe even a chance at winning a division. I mean, some of these teams are still really good. The Blue Jays, we're seeing it put up how many runs this weekend. They came close to breaking the record, Greg. So I think this team's here to try to make a statement, maybe make some type of run. They're not going to win the East. Obviously, the Yankees are like, you know, 100 to 1. It's a little hard to put any money on that one right now. But you never really know what's going to happen in the playoffs. I don't have to tell you how the Yankees have looked after having a dominant season and then just wilting when we get to the later months. It's probably worth money just going against the Yankee bias right now. We did wind up seeing the Astros and that doubleheader a few days ago be able to take it down and just take a look at the landscape of the American League. I think it's hard to not have the Yankees as that number one team, but I honestly feel like the gap between the Yankees and the Astros is much smaller than a lot of people want to make it out to be. I'm not sure how you might have taken a look at things, but with the Astros, it feels like the offense is down just a little bit this year. Jordan Alvarez has really taken the onus off of some of the guys like LMNDC as a company that have struggled a little bit, but the Astros pitching is by far better than it's been over the last few years. And I think that that winds up making them a tough out, not just in the American League, but just in all baseball in general, because I take a look at some of the top contenders out there, and I think that the Astros deserve to be in that same vein as the Dodgers and the Yankees to be able to take down the title. Yeah, I agree with you. The Astros pitching has been a star of their season. We know Verlander has been killing it coming off of that injured year, really back with like vitality. No one really expected. They are basically tied with the Dodgers, both 2.96 on ERA to lead baseball. But I feel like it's been pretty interesting for these Astros because they continue to just limit opponents. We've talked about past times that I've been on the show, we've talked about their expertise at nailing unders, especially at home. And so we watched what happened with the Yankees. They were able to limit this team to just not enough. I mean, and then also score enough runs. Like they just have the entire formula. I think the Yankees do have a couple holes. I don't hate the Astros right now to win the World Series as a potential hedge spot as they continue to show us they have it into the playoffs. I agree with you. As you're me on the podcast, we do have Justin Perry. He does a great job over there at Odds Checker. And Justin, when it comes to what we're going to be seeing on Sunday as well, we're talking about some of the top teams out there in the American League. Two teams from the East are going to be looking to make the playoffs. That would be the Red Sox 
and the Blue Jays are going to be doing battle once again after we wound up seeing that just calamity of a game that wound up happening on Friday. Things much more tame on Saturday as the Blue Jays, they could not wind up following up their four-touchdown performance with another four touchdowns. But with that said, it's going to be Brian Bell and Ross Stripling. And right now I'm seeing a total in a lot of places at an 11. The Blue Jays between a minus 145 to a minus 130 favorite. I recognize that Mr. Brian Bell, not necessarily the most trustworthy guy in the world, but it feels like this 11 is a little bit of an overreaction as to what we wound up seeing earlier in the series. I feel like this number has hiked up a little bit too high. Not sure about you, but it is a case which I do think that the Blue Jays are a relatively solid favorite here at minus 125, minus 130. I would be willing to lay it against a rookie pitcher in Bellow, but I mean, that said, even with the rookie in Bellow going, I feel like this just does not warrant an 11 total. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I think people are expecting some type of firework display. There's a lot of bias in it. And of course, right, the rookie does scare some people into maybe taking that over. But to hit 12 to lose the bet is just a high number for me as well. I would expect this to be a good spot to grab plus money on Boston. It's a Sunday game. This is the end of of the series. The Jays are traveling, it seems. So I don't know. They could could end up sort of packing it up for this one. Not 100% sure if they're going to be looking at having won both games on the series. But still pretty interesting to think this could be a sneaky spot to get a home team plus money after probably dropping the first two games. I totally agree with you. I do think that this is a relatively good spot here just to be able to take a look at an under with Boston. They've just not won a series all season long against an American Lake East foe as well. So that's going to be a little bit of an issue for them moving forward as I believe that they were 0-11-1, might have been 0-10-1 in their series against AL East teams as well so certainly a little bit of an issue for them moving forward and moving forward as well i think that these two teams are really going to be duking it out in the al central no question the twins are going to be as well but in the guardians versus white Sox game we've got a great pitching matchup dylan sees going to be going for the white Sox. shane bieber he is on the bump for cleveland and right now we're finding the white Sox right around minus 145 to a minus 130 and i think that this is a relatively good spot for the under because even though both of these bullpens they're a little bit gas from a doubleheader that we wound up seeing yesterday. You've got a pair of guys in Bieber and Cease, who have been two of the top pitchers out there in the American League. Bieber's down with his strikeouts, but he's been able to do a great job in terms of command. Cease, just a strikeout artist, has been maybe walking a few more guys than what you'd like, but I think that this is going to be a very good pitching matchup, and on top of that, have a pair of teams that have really been lacking in terms of long balls. So this is another American League game that I do like under. Yeah, Shane Bieber, I think, has been a little bit of a story where people are expecting him to look more how Dylan sees his pitch, but he's still getting by. Uh, the offense for the Guardians has been a little bit of a uh, variable experience. You never really know what you're going to get. They could put up eight runs. They can score three runs in a series, it feels like. But I do actually like Shane Bieber here in this spot. The White Sox have not looked so great this season. I think people got a little excited, myself included, about them a couple weeks ago. The Guardians look like they might be able to stay in this race. You can get decent odds still on that to potentially happen. I feel like this one's going to be like going back and forth, you know, a contested horse race like style down the main stretch to see who wins this AL Central. It's really up for anybody. But yeah, I don't know. We're going to have to see how this one goes with Bieber. He's been a little bit iffy, uh, but he definitely cleaned it up in June. Six starts, 3.13 ERA, 
whip was you know 1.1 but in in may it was 1.52 and then he started july really well so if he's maybe getting hot now it would be a good time for him to do so i don't hate backing him as he kind of gets back into form maybe for the first time this season I am right there with you. It has certainly been a very good year for both Bieber and also Dylan Cease. And I feel like a lot of people have been hating on Shane Bieber because he doesn't have as many strikeouts this year as he's had in past years, but he's actually had a little bit of a better road area than a home area as well. So going to be interesting to be able to take a look at that one. And I think that this is someone who's been a little bit undervalued this season. Miles Michaelis going to be on the road facing off against the Cincinnati Reds with Tyler Molly on the bump. And with the Cardinals, you're finding them anywhere between minus 132 and minus 135. And with this one, I think that it's important to note that Tyler Molly over the last two years, he's had a home area that's been over 1.5 points higher than it has been on the road. And for Miles Michaelis, but a very much a steady Eddie guy, not a guy that's going to give a bunch of strikeouts, but someone that's not going to give up a lot of walks, someone that's going to be able to go deep into a game as well. And for Molly, certainly has had his command issues over the last few years, which winds up lending way to a bullpen of the Reds that we're going to call what it is. Not necessarily so great. I take a look at this spot with the Cardinals being right around minus 132 and minus 135. I do think that that's relatively solid value. Not sure what you've got on this game, but I do like Michaelis in this spot. Yeah, I think that there's you know probably a reason that this total is going to sit at 10. I would expect there to be some runs scored tomorrow. Uh, day game at Great American Ballpark, unless there might be like some wins coming in. I'm going to really quickly check. I don't think there is. It looks like they might be blowing towards left field a little bit here across the diamond. But nonetheless, this is still one of the better hitting parks. I think the Cardinals should be able to get this one done. I like them in this spot, too. I understand why they're favored here. I probably would keep playing overs for these teams. The Reds at home, we know, runs usually are are found pretty safely. On Friday's game was a 14-run affair. And yes, we'll see how Sunday's game goes. Yep, certainly is going to be an interesting case in that one. As joining me on the podcast, we do have Justin Perry. He does a great job over there at Oddschecker and on that Cardinals versus Reds game as well. 10 seems a little bit too high, especially with the way that Michaelis has been pitching. And then any total that has been really north of 7 has been too much in Sandy Alcantara starts thus far. He is going to be going for the Miami Marlins, and he has just been so dominant all season long. It is going to be Mitch Keller who's going to be on the bump for the Pittsburgh Pirates. And the Marlins, they're anywhere between a minus 170 to a minus 175 road favorite. And you don't wind up saying that very often, but I mean, the way that I look at it, Sandy Alcantara, he should be the front runner for the Cy Young Award. In my opinion, he's a top five candidate right now for the NL MVP. He has been that good as well. I take a look at the Miami Marlins and I could see them being able to cover a run line even if they only wind up scoring three runs in this game. It is a case in which both of these offenses, if you saw the lineups that they tried it out there on Saturday, not good on either side. Certainly, I think that 7.5 is a little bit too high on this one. And with the Miami Marlins, I think that they should be able to cover this number and be able to get the job done. Not sure if you see anything else, but the way that I look at it, Sandy Alcantara, one of the most trustworthy guys out there in the big leagues. Yeah, there's no really way I could object right now. He has just been absolutely killing it. His ability to just like lock in when he gets into trouble is basically unmatched right now. And it's not easy to do that, right? Like he seems to just get better as he goes through the lineup. Really his his big trouble can come if like he gets through, if a team can see him like that third time through earlier than like sixth inning, you know, if he's kind of struggling and they can see him enough, he can kind of struggle. But I don't really 
see Pittsburgh as that type of lineup, right? We know they have had some big performances this year, but they still struggle. And this is the best pitcher in the National League right now. The odds will tell you that he is a runaway favorite. And he's just been dominant. He's just been dominant. Uh, the whip is as low as ever right now. It's gotten better and better every month, dropping little by little or even by big chunks. So it's been cool to see him stay in such pristine form. He has not really faltered too many times. No, he certainly has not. And Justin, just taking a look at the board that we've got for Sunday, is there anything else that's standing out for you, whether it be a team that you want to see how they wind up coming out here in the second half of the season or a bet that you've got sort of circled right now? You know, I think for me, uh, something to watch is definitely Chris Bubik on the mound, one of my favorite pitchers to take a peek at. And of course, the Rays kind of have felt like they've been a little lackluster. This might be a big spot for them to kind of make a little noise. Some other interesting matchups that I've had my eye on, of course, is the Nationals are pretty hard not to fade at the moment. The pitching staff has just been pretty abysmal. So I've been making some good headway on that team. It's really been a season for me of finding teams to fade as a more profitable venture than finding teams to back. I've found that the bad teams are worse than the good teams are good in a reliable way this year. Uh, So just trying to find the ways in which I think, you know, we'll target the guy who's going to do the worst rather than the guy who's going to do the best. Yeah, there's a lot of pitchers like that out there and that will continue to be as the season comes to a close. Some teams will ship off whatever talent they have left and it's our job to find that value. Yes, sir. It certainly is. And to your point, there have been a bunch of very nice fades. Hopefully at some point we could get Yohan Adon back to the big league level. And I mean, thoughts and prayers to all of us out here in Las Vegas that were paying rent by being able to fade Dallas Keuchel as he wound up unfortunately getting DFA'd over the all-star break. So that was some very bad news, but it's always good news whenever you join this podcast. Justin, you do a great job over there at Odd Checker. And on top of that, I know that you're doing a great job out there in the NFT verse as well. So let the good people at home know they're able to find you on social media and everything they've got going on in general. Yeah, so social media is just Justin Perry 8. You can catch me, you know, talking about a little bit of everything, whether it's plays or what's going on with the new company that we've launched. Collective is just about building the tools that make NFTs kind of cooler and actually do something that, you know, the technology really enables rather than being what can be a little fairly criticized in my opinion. So give it a peek. It's pretty cool. I'm still really big into like NBA Top Shot and all that stuff. They've done a really good job over there. And we do a lot of cool sports crossover content. So yeah, you know, Collective XYZ, give it a look and uh, shoot me a DM. Let me know your thoughts. Greg, always appreciate it. Love being on the show. Can't wait to come back. And we always appreciate the time of Justin because he does an absolutely amazing job being able to take a look at the game of baseball and wind up doing that once again today. So big thanks to Justin Perry of Oddschecker for joining me right here on the Baseball Betting Show, now part of the Beeson Family Podcast. And coming up next, it is that time of the podcast. They give you picks and analysis on every game on the betting board for this NLB Sunday as we touch them all. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. 
That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game. King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think he could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, exactly. he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. And then I, his, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he ain't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game. King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think he could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. 
Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, exactly. he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. And then I, his, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what so. I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because it ain't me? <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more... Right now, you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter let's please welcome jamal crawford to point game king of the court one-on-one tournament if they had it back in your prime do you think he could have took it all i'm gonna be honest with you i don't think i could have took it all but i think i would have shocked a lot of people i think kobe and everybody in their prime kobe would win a one-on-one contest yeah I, yeah because you gotta think Love he's it. gonna guard he don't care about guarding he's gonna guard he's gonna exactly. guard like you see him in the olympics exactly. he's gonna guard and then on I'm top of that. Like that, see that ladies and gentlemen please welcome sam cassell to point game i remember you came out from crying tears <laughs> crying tears. i mean he was in a culture shock and then he's, he's going to withdraw us about winning remember what i told you i said i said og you think i can get paid and go back and play in college because it ain't me <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Breaking down every game, every day in Major League Baseball, this is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson. And we're back here in lovely Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now a part of the Beeson Family Podcast. Always a pleasure to get Justin Perry on the show. He does a great job over there at Odds Checker. Being able to take a look at the game of baseball and handicapping it on a day in and day out basis. If you're someone that likes NFTs, he does a great job also on that front as well as he's doing some 
work over there at the collective XYZ and then number edge is where he winds up doing a lot of great projections as well so big thanks to Justin for joining me in the last segment now it is that time of the podcast they give you picks and analysis on every game on the betting board for this MLB Sunday as we touch them all if a game is listed on the betting board Greg has a side and a total on it so it is time to touch them all do note that as per usual any changes that are made to these plays will be listed up on my Twitter feed at gunit underscore 81 we are going to be going in Las Vegas rotation order. This is where we wind up going with the National League games first, then the American League games, any interleague games. Those are going to be at the bottom. That will keep things all nice, neat, clean, and easy. So without further ado, let's get down to business as we start with 901-902 on the betting board. The Chicago Cubs are going to be on the road facing up against the Philadelphia Phillies as Bailey Falter is going to hope to not falter for the Phils. And you got Drew Smiley on the bump. For Chicago, Chicago is finding themselves anywhere between a plus 125 and plus 130 underdog. Meanwhile, with the Phils, anywhere between minus 138, minus 145 is what you're laying. 9.5 to 10 is your total on the 10 over and under both at minus 110. On the 9.5, the 9.5 has juiced to the over of minus 120 to a minus 125. Under is anywhere between even and plus 105. Do you mind upsetting my total at a 9.7? I personally would rather have a 10 under rather than a 9.5 over. This is going to depend on what we wind up getting overnight, but with that said, trying to be able to get, if at all possible, a 10 under because you do take a look at the Chicago Cubs and over the last 35 days, they've got a sub-3 bullpen ERA that is in the top 10 in the big leagues in Philadelphia Phillies entering into this series over their last five weeks. They had the top bullpen ERA in the National League as well as you've had a lot of guys be able to kick it up for the same Jose Alvarado. Ever since he wanted Ganger called from AAA, he's been solid. Connor Brogdon has been able to give you some nice innings. Sir Anthony Dominguez, right hand, you've got a pair of guys that will be able to post up an ERA that is sub-225 at Corey Knable in the seventh inning as we give for the Phillies and then for the Cubs. Certainly has been a down year for Rowan Wick, especially recently, but Chris Martin has been okay. Scott Efres, Michael Givens, both of these guys giving you a sub-3 ERA. And when it comes to the Chicago Cubs team, it has been a squad that has been able to get on base on necessarily a ton of power. You do have Wilson Contreras entering into Saturday with 14 home runs and Patrick Wisdom with 17, but Wisdom well on his way to 200 strikeouts, hitting right around 220. Do have quite a few guys getting on base, though, as Christopher Morrell, David Bodie throwing their Ian Happ and C.A. Suzuki all in between a 274 to a 286. You've got Contreras. He's been able to give you north of a 350 on base. Rafael Ortega, 235 batting average, but has been able to get on base himself. And then for the Philadelphia Phillies, Kyle Schwarber at the top, 30 home runs, only right around a 210, but a good on base percentage. And then a lot of guys hitting in that neighborhood of, I would say, about a 240 to, we're going to call it a 255. J.T. Riamuto, Odubo Herrera, Yohan Camargo when he's been out there as he's been injured quite a bit, but got Reese Hoskins, Dick Cassiano, Sarah Call all in that fold as well. And for Hull, actually hitting a little bit above that as well. So you do have a pair of formidable offenses. And for Bailey Falter, he hasn't gotten a lot of starts this season, but when he's been called upon, he's been able to hold down the fort. Nothing great, nothing terrible. Someone who has been giving up the deep ball quite a bit. Six home runs given up in 28 innings thus far this season. Opponent's batting average has been hovering right around 300, but it's been able to do a good job with the command. Two and a half walks per nine innings has been something that has been nice to see. His home ERA has actually been a little bit worse than his road ERA, so a little bit of concern there, but he's actually been in my opinion, a little bit better as a starter rather than a bullpen guy giving up three earned runs or fewer in every one of his starts. And then you take a look at Drew Spiley, and he's always had a little bit of a tough time with the deep ball himself, giving up nine home runs and 49 innings thus far this season. Now the walks per nine rate, that over is in the neighborhood about 2.2, so 
been solid there, but opponents hanging a 273 off of them, a 418 road ERA. So I do think that both of these serves are going to be competent. I do think that they're going to give up some more contact, but at the same time, not shoot themselves in the foot. So I'm going to be looking at a 10 under. And with the Phillies, I was willing to lay up to a minus 144 with them, seeing the minus 138. Going to be willing to take the Phillies on the money line as well. 903, 904 on the betting board. The Miami Marlins, they're on the road to face the cap against the Pittsburgh Pirates. Mitch Keller is going to be going for the Buckos. And you've got one Sandy Alcantara going for the Miami Marlins. Marlins between a minus 167 and a minus 175 favor. Between plus 150 and plus 157, your price on Pittsburgh. 7.5 is your total with the over and the under, both at minus 110. I was willing to lay up to a minus 166 on the money line with the Miami Marlins. Now, if you're taking a look at the run line of the fish, you're going to be finding that right in the neighborhood about a minus 105-ish. And I'd be willing to lay up to a minus 108 with them. So I'm going to be willing to take a shot on this one with the Miami Marlins just because I do think that this is a case in which a Pittsburgh Pirates bullpen that we're going to call it what it is. They have not been good recently. I do think that they are certainly going to wind up having some pitfalls in this one as they've got a bottom five bullpen in the big leagues both for the season and over the last 30 days in general. You've had Tyler Beattie along with J.C. Young throwing their David Bernard be able to post up sub 3-5 ERAs but when you wind up getting into these guys like Aaron Fletcher and company, it certainly has been a big time mold for this bunch of for the Pittsburgh Pirates. They've also been without a lot of their top bats recently as well. You take a look at the lineup that they wound up trotting out there on Saturday. Nobody in the starting lineup with more than four home runs this season. That is a big time issue, guys. You've got Cal Mitchell, Oniel Cruz, Yoshi Satsugo, Josh Van Meter. Pretty much the entire catcher spot of this team with Michael Perez, Tyler Heineman, all these guys hitting a 215 or lower. You do have Kevin Newman hitting above a 260. Ben Gamble, Cabrian A's are hitting between about a 245 to a 255. And it's not like the Miami Marlins necessarily have a lot of firepower there as well. One guy with more than seven home runs in the starting lineup as well. And for Ore Soler, Brian De La Cruz, Jacob Stallings, all these guys having a rough year throwing their ace of Sanchez as well. They're all hitting a 225 or lower AGR along with Nick Fortes, Brian Anderson. In between about a 250 to a 260. You've had Joey Wendell be able to get on base along Garrett Cooper. Both of these guys hang above a 275. And Luke Williams is as well. But do take a look at both of these bullpens for the Pirates. It's a little bit rough. And for the Marlins, it's starting to improve a little bit. Lewis said was a little bit of a lot down towards back half of the season for this team. But Stephen O'Kurt right around a 2-5 ERA. Zach Pop has actually been halfway decent for this team. He's got a sub-3 ERA. Anthony Bass, he's posting up a sub-2 ERA. You get into Dylan Floral, Richard Blyer. It's not necessarily so great. But that's why you've got Sandy Alcantara out there. And this guy is known as El Caballo for a reason. That is Spanish for the horse. And he's got a buck seventy six ERA. Has posted up 7 plus innings in each out of his last 12 starts. That does not include the All-Star game, obviously. But, I mean, the guy has been absolutely amazing. He has given up two earned runs or fewer in all but one of those starts. Not necessarily a strikeout artist. He's getting right around 7 strikeouts per 9 innings. But certainly able to go far for you. And for the Pirates, you've got Mitch Keller. He's been keeping the ball in the yard. Giving up .8 home runs per 9 innings. Walks have always been an issue with him. 3.4 walks. Per nine innings, but that said, he's been able to do a better job ever since he was getting threatened with going down to the minor leagues. His three starts in the month of July, he has given up five earned runs over the course of 19 innings, so it's been looking relatively solid there. I do think that you're certainly going to be in for a lower scoring game with these offenses, as a matter of fact. So this total is 6.3. If I didn't wind up making this series to PK Nation big yesterday, I would have just went with the under here because I don't think we're going to be seeing a lot of offense in this one. With that said, I do think that the Miami Marlins should be able to pull this one out. We've gotten a little bit too lofty 
be on the money line, but I think that there's a good chance that the Pirates get held to below two runs in this game because Alcantara is that dominant. So I'm going to look at a run line here with the Miami Marlins, and I'm going to be willing to take this total under as well. 905-906 on the betting board. The Cincinnati Reds, yes, we're on to Cincinnati, and I'm going to be playing us this St. Louis Cardinals. Miles Michaelis is going to be going for the cards, and Tyler Molly is going to be on the bump. For the Red Legs, the Reds are finding themselves anywhere between a plus 115 to a plus 122 underdog. And when it comes to the cards, you find them between minus 130, minus 135. 10 is your total. The under is minus 115, and the over is minus 105. And when it comes to St. Louis, I was willing to set them as a little bit more of a favorite. I set them at a minus 146, so I'm going to be willing to take a nibble on the cards. It's a St. Louis bunch of whenever Miles Michaelis has been on the mound, has been able to perform quite well now with St. Louis. It has been a little bit hit or miss with some of these bats here in the month of July, but you're able to rely upon the two concerts in the middle, in Paul Goldschmidt, along with Nolan Arenado. Entering into Saturday, a combined 39 home runs. Arenado sitting at 295. Goldschmidt, north of a 400 on base, 330 batting average, and then got a lot of guys behind him. I've been able to do a solid job. You've got Tommy Edmond, Dylan Carlson, both hitting right around a 260 along with Juan Yepes when he's been out there. He's been a little bit banged up. They got back Brendan Donovan. Yesterday, he's been able to hit 285. Tether O'Neill has been solid for this bunch, and with Edmond as well, 20 stolen bases. And then for the Reds, they average a little bit over five runs per game at home, right around three and a half on the road. So clearly, this has been a team that they've been able to do their best when they've been at home. Tyler Stevenson, he's hitting above a 300, and then Got quite a few guys able to get on base for this team, like Donovan Solano, hitting nearly a 300. Brandon Drury, 18 home runs, 275 average. Kyle Farmer has been able to hit 260. The problem with the Reds is that they've got by far the worst bullpen area out there in the big leagues, north of a 5-3. No other team is above a 475. Alexis Diaz has been solid out there in the bullpen. He's been able to give you an ERA that hovers in the neighborhood of about a 3-ish, actually a little bit lower than that, more like a 2. But then when you get past that, Buck Farmer, Hunter Strickland, Able to throw in there Joel Kuno, all these guys with north of a 5 ERA. It's a little bit worrisome. And for Tyler Molly, he's always been better on the road than he has been at home. This is just not a ballpark that really suits him well. Overall for the year, Molly has a 448 ERA. Give it up right around one home run per nine innings. But take a look at what he's been able to do at home. He's got a 499 ERA compared to a 383 on the road. He's given up seven home runs at 52 and a third innings at home. Three bombs and 40 innings on the road. He's been able to get some swings and misses. A little bit over 10 punch outs per nine innings. But do take a look at Michaelis. Should be able to go far for this Cardinals team. He's given up only about a home run per nine innings. Swing and miss stuff, not necessarily there with him. Right around six half strikeouts per nine innings, but opponents seeing just a 210 off of him, 283 road area compared to a 231 at home. And then you've got Genesis Cabrera's able to give the team multiple innings. Ryan Helsley, he's posted up a sub one ERA thus far this season. Heck, even someone like Yohan Oviedo, Pat and they're able to give you multiple innings as well. So I do think that there's some good value here with the St. Louis Cardinals. Michaelis has been able to do a good job of being able to keep things calm. And for Tyler Molly, I do think that he's going to be able to get some swings and misses against the St. Louis Cardinals team that they certainly have had a little bit of a difficult putting up runs here in the month of July as they've been averaging fewer than 4.3 runs per game in this month. So this is a spot in which semi total at 8.9 looking under and want to lay up to minus 146 with the Cardinals. So look in St. Louis and looking under. 907, 908 on the bank board. It is the Milwaukee Brewers. They are going to be playing us to the Colorado Rockies as you do have Chad Cool going for the Rockies and Eric Lauer is going to be on the bump for Milwaukee. Milwaukee find themselves a minus 190 to a minus $2 favorite. Meanwhile, with Colorado, it's anywhere between plus 170 and plus 175, with 9 being your total. 
Under is minus 115, and the over is minus 105 with Eric Lauer and company. I was willing to lay up to a minus 172 with them, which means I need at least a plus 172 to take a shot on Colorado, and we have been able to get there at the plus 175, so I am going to be taking a look at Colorado with Eric Lauer. Just been a very sad state of affairs for him recently. He has given up three plus runs, and now seven out of his last ten starts. Now he is coming off a nice start on the road against the San Francisco Giants, but he has been giving up the deep ball. 1.8 home runs per nine innings. Walks per nine is right around 2.9. Nothing great, nothing terrible. And he has been significantly better at home. 230 home ERA, 473 ERA on the road with opponents overall. He can get 226 off of him. He's been able to get a little bit over nine punches per nine innings. But for Chad Gould, he's really been the best pitcher this year for the Colorado Rockies, in my opinion. 470 road ERA compared to a 352 at home. He's been able to do an okay job of being able to keep the ball in the yard, giving up one home run for nine innings. Needs to work on the walks, right around 3.6 walks per nine innings, and certainly has. A little bit of familiarity with the Brewers because he was actually pitching with the Pittsburgh Pirates the last few seasons. And the big key for the Colorado Rockies is that they do have some very demonstrative home and road splits. So they're going to need some of these guys to be able to bust out. You've got someone like a Charlie Blackman who certainly has been able to do a much better job when he's been in Colorado rather than on the road entering into yesterday. 308 home batting average, 242 on the road, but 15 overall home runs with seven of them coming on the road. CJ Crone, he's been able to give you 21 home runs this far this season, 15 of those have been at home. You do have a few guys that will be able to step up for the team a little bit, but most of that is at home. Once again, like Randall Kirchick, 280, batting average at home, buck 90 on the road. And for the Milwaukee Brewers, not like they got a lot of guys ripping the cover off the ball as well. as got nobody in the starting lineup from Saturday hitting above a 255 for the team now. Got a lot of guys hitting between about a 242 and 255 as Victor Carantini, Hunter Renfro, Christian Yelich, Jace Peterson, Andrew McCutcheon are all in that fold as well. And you do have Willie Adamas already tell us combining for 38 home runs as far as the season, but it's just a very poor offense. You do have some relatively decent bullpen pitching for the Milwaukee Brewers. you got to figure that Josh Hader is going to be able to bounce back after you want to have it a rough end to the first half of the season. You do have Holby Milner, Brad Boxberger, Devin Williams, all posting up a sub-2-5 ERA and for Williams. He has not given up a run in 33 out of his last 34 appearances overall, and for the Colorado Rockies, Alex Kalme has actually been halfway decent for the team, posting up a sub-3 ERA. Now Lucas Gilbreth Sub-2 ERA at home, north of a 5 ERA on the road. Ty Block is north of a 6 ERA on the road. So those home roads, but once again, very ugly. But it is a case in which Eric Lauer has not been necessarily so sharp. And on top of that, this is a Brewers lineup that they aren't doing a good job of being able to just put back to ball in general. I did mind saying my total at 8.6 as a result. I'm going to be looking under him with the Rockies. Getting a plus 175, going to be one to fire there. 9-9, on the betting board. The San Francisco Giants say at the road they're going to be facing off against the L.A. Dodgers as Clayton Kershaw is going to be going for the Dodgers. Alex Cobb is going to be on the bump for San Francisco. San Francisco find themselves anywhere between plus 180 and plus 185 underdogs. Meanwhile, with the Dodgers, it is anywhere between minus 198 and minus 210. 7.5 is your total. Over is minus 115 and the under is minus 105. Needed at least a plus 188 to be able to take a shot on San Francisco. And if you're looking at the run line of the Dodgers, it's anywhere between even money and minus 105. I was one to lay up to a minus 105 with the Dodgers run line. I honestly see a lot more value with the Dodgers run line rather than the money line right now. I'm not willing to lay $2 on the Dodgers run line, but being able to get between even money and minus 105 on the run line, I'm willing to take that because with the Dodgers, among their 62 wins entering into Saturday, 55 of them had been by two plus runs. So they've been able to be a very good team on the run line. And with Alex Cobb, it's been a case in which 
It's been very much unlucky this season. He's got a 409 ERA, but a fielding independent that is sub three. He's given up home runs for on a per nine basis right around .65, so he's been able to keep the ball in the yard. He's not giving up necessarily a ton of walks either, right around 2.7 walks per nine innings. It's just been a case in which all the contact winds up finding the wrong holes as he's given up three runs or more in three out of his last five starts. Things are starting to turn around a little bit for him, but Clayton Kershaw, he has been very dominant this season. A little bit of a renaissance when he has been healthy at 2-1-3 ERA. Strikeouts per nine rate, a little bit north of nine, so down for bad years, but command has been on point right around 1.5 walks per nine innings at home. A 2-0-5 ERA, giving up two home runs in 30 and two-thirds innings, and he's backed up by a bullpen that has some very nice pay- pieces as Evan Phillips, Yancy Almonte, Reyes Bonanta, all posting up a sub-3 ERA. Alex Vecilla has been in relatively solid as well. Phil Bickford has not been as good as he was last season, and Craig Kimbrell has been all over the place with a little bit north of a 4 ERA, but has been able to turn things around a little bit, but you do take a look at this Dodgers lineup, and you've got Trey Turner and Freddie Freeman, who entered into yesterday, hitting above a 300. Both of these guys have been able to do a good job of being able to go yard as each two gentlemen throw in there Will Smith as well. All 14 home runs apiece, and for Will Smith, he has been able to do a very solid job last month or so, last 30 days, 375 on base percentage, so he has been able to give this team some good production, Bookie Betts, he nearly 270, 21 home runs, Cody Bellinger, he had a big grand slam a couple days ago, still needs to pick it up though, he and Max Muncy have really been albatrosses for this team, meanwhile for the San Francisco Giants, you really don't have a lot of power in this lineup as Jack Peterson has missed much of this series. You do have Darren Ruff and Wilmer Flores with a double-digit amount of homers, but other than Peterson, these are the only two guys on the team with 10-plus home runs, and you don't necessarily have a lot of guys hitting for average either. Thario Estrada is hitting a little bit over 260. Luis Gonzalez, more in that neighborhood of a 285, but you do have guys like a Brandon Belt, Austin Wentz, and quite frankly, the entire catcher spot, Mike Yastrzemski hitting at 235 or lower, so... It's been a little bit of an issue. They're looking to Yerman Mercedes to be able to help them out. And for the San Francisco Giants, this bullpen is just not what it was last season. Last season, they were the lone bullpen in the big leagues with a sub-3 ERA. And you've been able to have some guys be able to step up. Sammy Long as a sub-3 ERA, along with Jarlin Garcia. Dominique Leon has been a little bit up and down this season. But Leon has been able to give you some relatively solid innings as well. John Brebbia, 240 ERA. But this is a bunch that went from being the best bullpen in the big leagues last season to being more like a league average one. So... That really hurts this team with the Dodgers. Don't really want the money line here, but them being able to win by multiple runs, that does appeal to me. And I do think that this is going to be a relatively low-scoring game. Alex Cobb has been a little bit better than his ERA and raw numbers would indicate, but this is a total that at 8, I was willing to take it under, which was the opener. Now that we're down to 7.5, I do think that's moved a little bit too far, especially with this being an afternoon game out there in LA and the Dodgers offense in general being so dominant. I set my total at 7.9, so looking over and with the Dodgers, willing to lay the run line with them. 9-11, 9-12 on the betting board. It is the Arizona Diamondbacks. They're going to be playing us the Washington Nationals. Eric Fetty Wap is going to be on for the Nats. And you've got Corbin Martin, who's going to be on the bump for Arizona. No numbers up on this game as Corbin Martin. A little bit of a surprise starter here for the Arizona Diamondbacks. But the book of Greg Peterson as a handicap line on this one. And when it comes to Arizona, I did wind up making them a favorite of minus 139. And when it comes to the Soto, I did wind up saying it at a 9.2, which means... A 9 or less, I'm going to be willing to take a look at an over. And a 9.5 or higher, I'd be taking a look at the under with Eric Fetty Wap. It's been a little bit up and down this season. And the big thing for Eric Fetty is being able to control the walks. 4.4 walks per 9 innings. That is a little bit of an issue. It's only getting right around 6.8 strikeouts per 9 innings to go along with it as well. 
for Freddie as well. It is a case in which he has not necessarily been so effective when he's been on the road as he's posting up a little bit north of a 5 ERA as well, more like a 440 ERA when he is at home. So that's another issue that you've got. And for Corbin Martin, he just hasn't seen a lot of time at the big league level. Last time you wanted pitching up at this level, you have to go all the way back to early man. This is someone that has really been more of a long reliever this year. He did wind up getting a few starts last season. And overall, he's got a 440 ERA. So it has been one of these cases in which if you're taking a look in like the food restaurant business or anything like that, it's a case which he's been sort of like the waiter that has been requested to not wind up spilling the soup or something like that. And he has not spilled the soup, but... And said, you take a look at what he wound up doing at the minor league level thus far this season. 12 starts at AAA, a 5-10 ERA. What I will say is that the strikeout number's not too bad. A little bit over 9 punch outs per 9 innings, 3.5 walks per 9 innings, 1.4 home runs per 9 as well. So I really can't wind up placing him as overly much of a favorite as a result. I do think that the starting pitching, a little bit more of a wash. But you take a look at this Washington Nationals bullpen. Victor Arano, Steve Ciszek. They're in there. Kyle Finnegan, all these guys north of a 375 ERA. Rasmo Ramirez, you don't have anyone trustworthy out there. Meanwhile, for the years in the Diamondbacks, you do have a little bit more than you're able to rely upon. Joe Manette typically has posted up a sub-3 ERA along with Keenan Middleton. Kyle Nelson is in that fold as well. You've had Sean Poppin do a relatively solid job for this bunch as well, though. Looks like he's probably going to be unavailable for this game and for Arizona been a case in which they have not been able to generate as many home runs at home rather than on the road. As a matter of fact, here's in the Diamondbacks. They've been able to slug out right around 1.5 home runs per game on the road. Meanwhile, at home, this winds up shrinking to more around a .9, but you do have a Washington Nationals lineup that they themselves don't have a lot of power. As a matter of fact, you take a look at it, and they've got right now two guys on the roster with a double-digit amount of homers. Josh Bell is hitting a 308 with his 13 home runs, and for Juan Soto, he has been on fire, hitting over a 370 over the last three weeks. He's been able to give the team 20 home runs as far this season, but and a lot of guys like Nelson Cruz, Mike Calafranco, Victor Robles, along with Cesar Hernandez, right in between about a 230 to a 245. So, got your issues there. Meanwhile, with the Arizona Diamondbacks, Christian Walker, 22 home runs. He is only in about a 200, but you do have a few guys like Joshua Ross sitting at 270. Alec Thomas has been able to do a solid job. And then Quito Marte worked his betting average up to a 275. So, I do want to say the Arizona Diamondbacks are on a minus 139 favorite. I would need at least a plus 140 to take a shot here on the Nationals and then. Nine or less looking at an over nine and a half higher to the under 913-914 on the bang board. It is the Slam Diego Padres. They're going to be in the road. They're going to be facing off against the New York Metropolitans. As going for the Mets, it's going to be one Carlos Kirky Carrasco. And you've got Joe Musgrove, who's going to be on the bump for the Padres. Got a relatively tight line with the Mets finding themselves anywhere between minus 113 and minus 120 favorites. And between even money and plus 105 is going to be your price on the pods. With 7.5 to 8 being your total on the 7.5, the over is minus 120, the under is even on the 8. The under is minus 115, and the over is minus 105. Doing this as numbers are just shooting out. If I'm able to get a plus 110 or greater, I'm going to be willing to take a shot on the Padres. And I mean, with DraftKings, they typically wind up having more like a 20 cent differential between the favorite and the underdog a lot of places out here in las vegas they wind up using the dime line so if we're able to get a minus 120 and say like the west gate or the south point that'll be a plus 110 on the padres and that will put me there so i'm anticipating that though going to be waiting out a little bit of late night line movement when it comes to joe musgrove he has been very solid for this padres bunch Thus far this year, he has gone six plus innings in all but one of his starts. He has been giving up a few more runs recently, but still, he has given up two earned runs or fewer, and now 13 out of his 16 starts thus far in the campaign. So that has been solid for this bunch. He has been able to do a good job on the road as well. 259 road ERA compared to a 220 ERA at home. 
Been able to keep the ball in the park as he's given up nine home runs over the course of 104 innings. Strikeouts per nine rate is right around nine-ish as well. And he's been able to go deep because his command has been really good. Sub two walks per nine innings. And then for Carlos Carrasco, he's been able to do a good job of being able to control the walks as well. Right around 2.35 walks per nine innings. And he's been much better at home rather than on the road. Six and one record with a 359 ERA at home. Four and three mark with a 523 ERA on the road with out of his 11 home runs. Seven of them coming away from New York in fewer innings. And his pitch at home as well. So that has been something to take note of. And for Carrasco, he's been able to get nine strikeouts per nine innings. Neither of these bullpens are great. Neither of these bullpens are terrible with the Mets. You could use Seth Lugo being able to pick it up a little bit more. He's been posting up right around a 375 ERA thus far this season, though. I will say Colin Holderman along Tammy Hunter at Amadovino. These guys have been able to rise up. They've got a sub 2.6 ERA in Edwin Diaz. He's been able to do a very solid job. Sub 2 ERA as a closer. And then Taylor Rogers, the closer of the Padres. North of 20 saves this season, but he's also been posting up an ERA that is certainly north of 4. So that's been a little bit of an issue. Stephen Wilson has been able to give you some relatively solid innings. He's been able to come in. He's been able to give you right around about a 3-5-ish ERA. Craig Salmon as well, though Salmon has been a little bit banged up this season as well. Nabal Crisman, good long guy posting up a 275 ERA. And for the Padres, the big key is being able to lend a little bit of help for Manny Machado. Machado, he's been in a funk himself. Hitting right around the Mendoza line of 200 here in the month of July. But you do have Noah Mazzara is able to hit a 290-ish for the team. Eric Cosmer along with Royal Faro. Hitting right around 275. And Trent Christian starting to pick it up. Still has been a really bad year for him. He's hitting below the Mendoza line of 200. Take a look over the last 30 days. It's right around at 200, though. He does have four home runs in his last 65 at-bats. Drinks and Profar, Jake Cronenworth, both of these guys. Hitting right around 240 along with Austin Kim. And then for the New York Mets. Pete Alonso right now leads the league in RBI. He, along with Mark Canna, Brandon Nemo, in between about a 265 to a 270. But with Alonso, he has been able to slug out home runs, 24 in total for him. You've got Francisco Lindor giving you 16 home runs, as well as J.D. Davis has had a little bit of a rough start to the season. But Luis Galorme, Jeff McNeil, Starling Marte, these guys are above a 290 as well. So I do think that the Padres... They're able to get a plus 110 or greater on them. I do think that that is relatively solid value. Crasco certainly has been better at home than he has been on the road. And the Padres, they've had a little bit of a tough time with their offense. They're actually averaging right around five runs per game on the road. But a lot of this has been due to air quotes here. Clutch hitting. I do think that that's going to regress a little bit. Semi-total at 7.2 looking under. And in all likelihood, probably going to be looking at the Padres. But this is a little bit more dependent upon late night line movement. Would only be willing to lay up to about a minus 108 with the Mets. As we go to 9-15, 9-16 on the betting board, you got yourself the Toronto Blue Jays, and they are going to be on the road facing off against the Boston Red Sox. Brian Bellew is going to be going for the Boston Red Sox, and Ross Stripling is going to be on the bump for Toronto. Toronto has found themselves as a favorite. Anywhere between minus 125 and minus 130, between plus 110 and plus 115. Your price on the Boston Red Sox, 10.5 to 11 is your total. On the 11, the under is anywhere between minus 110 and minus 115. The over is anywhere between minus 105 and minus 110. And then if you're looking at a 10.5 with the over and the under, that is both at minus 110. And this is going to be the DK Nation pick because I'm going to be taking a look at the under. Certainly, I don't think that we're going to wind up seeing 28 runs from the Blue Jays like we wound up seeing a couple nights ago. And for Brian Bellow, he certainly is a little bit of a raw guy. But I do think that this is a number that has just gotten a little bit too far out of whack based on what we wound up seeing in the first game of the series. Things wound up being a little bit more tame on Saturday. And I do expect that to continue, especially with the way the Ross Stripling has been able to pitch. Ross Stripling has been very solid for the Blue Jays and under the radar. His advanced numbers show that he might be doing for a little bit of regression, but a 305 ERA. 
He gets right around 7.5 strikeouts per 9 innings, a 3.18 road ERA compared to a 2.90 ERA at home. Against the Red Sox in two starts, he's given up three runs over the course of 10 innings. So, you know what? That's formidable. You've got Rafael Devers, who in all likelihood is going to be on the injured list. J.D. Martinez, he has been dealing with a little bit of an injury as well. So, this is a Boston Red Sox bunch, and right now they're a little bit depleted. Now, with the Toronto Blue Jays, no question, this is not a team that's very depleted at this point, as you've got Vlad Guerrero Jr. to ask Hernandez, both in between about a 265 to a 275, Vlad Guerrero Jr., 20-plus home runs thus far this season, but then you got Boba Shed along George Springer, both hitting between about a 250 to a 260, 17 bombs for George Springer. Santiago Spenel is able to get on base, but for Boston, take a look at what they're trotting out there, especially with Trevor Story being on the injured list, and you really don't have a single guy in the starting lineup that's able to give you a double-digit amount of homers. Jeter Downs, Bobby Dahlbeck, Jackie Bradley Jr. You're able to throw in there the new acquisition of Yomer Sanchez. These guys running about a 220 or lower. Jaron Duran has seen some regression as well. So this is a Red Sox lineup that all of a sudden not necessarily so great. Now, good news for Boston is that they were able to get six innings out of Cutter Crawford. So a bullpen that was looking like it was going to be depleted. Not so much as you had Jake Diekman, Etikazu Sadamora, Austin Davis be able to supply some relatively solid innings. Diekman has seen a little bit of regression recently, but... These guys have been halfway decent. And for the Toronto Blue Jays, still not a good bullpen. I will say that. They're in the bottom half of the big leagues in terms of bullpen area. But do have a couple guys that you're able to trust in. Tim Meza, Adam Simber, throwing their David Phelps. These guys have all been able to do a solid job. They're all posting up a 3.15 ERA or lower. And when it comes to this Toronto Blue Jays team, I do think that stripling winds up giving them a little bit of a leg up. Because with Brian Bell, good raw stuff. But at the same time, in his first couple of big league starts, not necessarily been the world's greatest. I will say it could be, I guess, a little bit worse. He has given up, I believe, now nine runs over the course of his first few starts. But the big thing, like I mentioned, walks. He's given up six walks over the course of eight innings. And both of his starts did wind up coming against the Tampa Bay Rays. So that is something to keep note of. But I do think the Bell is going to be able to tame the nerves a little bit. This is going to be his second career start at Fenway. I think that he's going to be able to do an okay job. It's going to be a different look for the Toronto Blue Jays. So on the DK Nation pick, I'm going to be going with the under. As I set my total at a 10. This is not a case in which I think that this should be a total that should be set at like 8 or anything like that. But I think we went a little bit too far. I think that this is a bit overreactionary. So I'm going to be writing up for the DK Nation pick the under. And when it comes to Toronto, one wave to minus 137 with them. Because I don't think that Bellow going to be able to necessarily lend a lot of length. So looking at the under with the DK Nation pick. And also looking at Toronto on the money line. 917-918 on the bank board. The Baltimore Orioles. They play us to the New York Yankees. Cesar Cortez is going to be going for the Yankees. And you got Dean Kramer, who's going to be on the bump for Baltimore. Baltimore is in between plus 150 and plus 157 underdogs. Meanwhile, the Yankees are between a minus 170 and minus 180 favorite. 9.5 is your total unders anywhere between minus 110 and minus 115. The overs anywhere between minus 105 and minus 110. And with Nancy Nestor Company, I did wind up making them a minus 182 favorite. If you're taking a look at the run line, you're going to be finding the Yankees at a minus 110. And this is, in my opinion, a little bit too much to lay. I would rather take about a minus 170 money line with the Yankees rather than the run line as this is a Baltimore Orioles bunch that they've been able to cover over 64% of their games on the run line thus far this season. They have been, as a matter of fact, by far the best run line team in Major League Baseball all season long. And when getting a run and a half entering into Saturday, 55-28 and 28 on the run line. Meanwhile, the Yankees... 
41 and 47 when laying a run and half. So that is something that I think is very important to take a look at in this one. And for an SC Nestor, I mean, this guy's been SC Nestor. He's been able to give you nine and a half strikeouts per nine innings. He's given up right around 1.25 home runs per nine innings. I do think that his home and roads plus do come into play here as well as he has been giving up a 335 road here compared to a buck 90 at home. And a big reason why is the deep ball 10 out of his 13 home runs surrendered in a pretty equal amount of innings. Have wound up coming on the road, though. The command has been pretty pinpoint. He's given up right around two blocks per nine innings. And for Kremer, the Orioles were not able to win his starts early on in his career as they were 3-15 and in his first 18 career starts. That has reversed itself ever since. And as the team is now, as a matter of fact, I believe 6-1 and in his last seven starts. And in that time span, he has allowed more than three earned runs just once. So he has been able to do a very good job of being able to lock down. He does have a 360 OMR compared to a buck 66 on the road, but he's done a good job keeping the ball in the yard. Three home runs surrender in 41 and two-thirds innings. His box per nine rate that hovers right around a two and a half and it's backed up by a top eight bullpen in terms of ERAs. You've got so many guys posting up a sub two five ERA. CNL Perez, Orde Lopez, Keegan Aiken. You're able to throw in there even someone like a Felix Batista as well. So these guys have been able to do a very solid job for the Orioles. Not necessarily a bunch that's going to be lighting up the scoreboard, but you do have guys that are able to get on base for you. As Trey Boomer, Mancini, Austin to say his kids, Edgar Mullins, Ryan Mountcastle, all in between about a 259 to a 275. And then you've had Ryan McKenna, Roman Urias in limited at-bats be solid. Anthony Santander, 16 home runs. He's sitting about a 240 for this bunch as well. But on the fold, you need a little bit more out of someone like an Ore Mateo, but it's one of the best base dealers out there in the big leagues. And then for the Yankees, how about what you've been able to get out of Anthony Rizzo, John Carlos Stan, this duel? 46 home runs. Both of these guys hitting below a 240, but they're able to get on base. Aaron Judge entered into Saturday with 36 home runs. I mean, a few home runs in the series, and he might be on Barry Bonds' pace. He's been that good this season. Matt Carpenter he entered into Saturday with 13 home runs at 86 at-bats. So a home run every right around like 6.5 to 7 at-bats. It's been amazing for this bunch. And then DJ turned it up. Lemayu, Isaiah Canaire, Falefa, both hitting above a 270. Labor Torres, seeing a 265. He's been able to slug out 15 home runs. Certainly, I do think that the Yankees should be a favorite here. But the Orioles, with their good bullpen pitching, they've been able to keep things within one run in a lot of their losses, which is why I would rather take a money line here with the Yankees rather than a run line. I typically don't like to lay this much chalk on a money line, especially with the road team. But the Orioles, they do, in my opinion, warrant that. I did wind up saying my total at 8.7, so I do think that it's going to be a little bit of a lower scoring game. I'm looking under, and at current numbers, looking at the Yankees on a money line, if I would be able to get even money, that's when I would start to consider a little bit more of a Yankees run line. 919-920 on the betting board, the Detroit Tigers, they're going to be playing us the Minnesota Twins, as Sonny Gray is going to be going for the Twins, and Ronnie Garcia is going to be on the bump for Detroit. Right now, the only number I'm seeing is at DraftKings, Twins are at minus 175, plus 150 on Detroit, with 8 being your total, over and under both at minus 110, and when it comes to Detroit, I would need at least a plus 168 to be able to take a shot on them. At current numbers, I would probably be looking for a different number because right now the Twins, you're finding the minus 110 on the run line. I'm only willing to lay up to a minus 102, and I would need a plus price to be able to take a look at Detroit. So how this winds up playing out is going to be due to late night line movement and what we wind up seeing from other books as well because I just don't see what I like currently with these numbers, but we will certainly be getting more numbers that wind up getting posted up and certainly a little bit of line movement as well. But with that said, you do take a look at what you're able to get out of this Minnesota Twins team. And Sonny Gray has been able to do a nice job of being able to mow them down all season long. Been able to get right around eight strikeouts per nine innings. His walks per nine rate a little bit north of two. The 371 ERA, it's a little bit concerning, but he's actually been better on the road rather than at home. 333 road ERA. 
compared to a 396 at home with just one home run in 24 and a third innings allowed on the road with opponents in a buck 98 off of them. Now for Ronnie Garcia, it's not started quite a while. This is going to be, as a matter of fact, his first start since very, very late June. So he wound up, I believe, missing a little bit of time. I think that he was dealing with a shoulder. Might have been dealing with a little bit of COVID as well. But when it comes to Ronnie Garcia, it's actually been much better on the road rather than at home. 547 home here compared to a 286 area on the road to the big bugaboo for him. The deep ball giving up 1.7 home runs per nine innings. So he's been able to control the walks, giving up right around 2.4 walks per nine innings. But big issue with him is that he's just not backed up by a very good lineup at all. Spencer Torkelson is out the AAA level because he was that deplorable. And then you've got a P- Keel Badu along with Cody Clements, Jamir Candelario, Jonathan Scope. You're able to throw in there Javi Baez, Tucker Barnard, all hitting a 218 or lower for this bunch now. You do have Miguel Cabrera, Hale Castro, both in between a 280 to a 285. But for the Tigers, right now, they, as an entire team, have fewer home runs than John Carlos Santin and Aaron Judge as just a two man duo. And nobody on this team, more than 10 home runs. That is an issue. And for the Minnesota Twins, you've got Byron Buxton, who's not been able to hit for a lot of average, but he's been able to give the team 23 home runs. And you do have quite a few guys behind him. They're able to get on base. Max Kepler, Ode Palunco, along with Jose Miranda and Nick Gordon in between about a 245 to a 260 with Polanco slugging out 14 home runs. Luis Arias has been able to hit a 340 for the team. Carlos Correa has been able to do a good job moving the line as well. And when it comes to this Minnesota Twins bullpen, it's not great, but it's not bad. Giovanni Morin has been able to give you a sub-2 ERA. Yohan Duran leads the league and pitches thrown at 100-plus miles per hour. He and Griffin Jacks as long, guys, sub-3 ERAs. And for the Detroit Tigers, what you do like about this team is the fact that the bullpen has been dominant for this team. They rank in the top five in terms of bullpen ERA. Michael Fulmer is sub-3 ERA. Alex Lang is sub-3 ERA. You've got Joe Menes, who's now back the fold for this team as well. Well, Vest has been able to give you some good innings. Gregory Soto able to lock it down as the closer as well. So this is a spot in which I need at least a plus 168 to be able to take a shot on the Detroit Tigers. And it is a total in which I did wind up saying at a 7.7. So at the current number of 8, I will be looking under on that. And currently, with regards to money line, run line, what have you, this is going to be based on late night line movement. 921, 922 on the betting board. It is the Tampa Bay Rays. And the Rays, they're going to be in the red face off against the Kansas City Royals. As Chris with Gabe Bubich going to be going for the Royals and Jeffrey Springs is going to be going for the Rays. Currently no numbers up on this game. This is a contest that is presently off the board, but I've got my handicap numbers here as I set the Rays a minus 151 favorite and I did wind up making my total an 8.8, which means that an 8.5 or less, I'll be taking a look at an over a 9 or higher. I am going to be taking a look at an under and with anything north of a plus 110, I'd be taking a look at the Rays laying around an F on the run line as well with the Tampa Bay Rays. Certainly has been a bunch has been able to do a nice job in terms of being able to mix and match in their bullpen. You've got someone like a Jason Adam who's been able to give you a sub-2 ERA. Brooks Rayleigh, Colin Pooch, these guys have a sub-3 ERA. Even with J.P. Fireeyes and out full for much of the season, they've been able to do a good job there. And for Jeffrey Springs, he's been an undervalued pitcher in my opinion. He's been able to get 10 strikeouts. Per nine innings, wound up missing a little bit of time this season just due to injury in general. And he does have a 324 road area compared to a buck 76 at home, but still, it's been relatively dominant with one and seeing a 219 off of him. And then with Chris with a K. Bubich, he has failed to get out of the first inning already in multiple starts this season. He's posting up a 587 ERA, and he has not been good at Kansas City. A 720 home ERA compared to a 460 ERA on the road. And it's not necessarily even the deep ball that's doing him in, yeah. Giving up right around 1.3 home runs per nine innings is not great, but more concerning, in my opinion, is the five walks per nine innings. Opponents overall are hitting a 315 off of them at home. He's not getting a lot of swings and misses, right around 7.3 strikeouts. 
per nine innings as well. And for the Tampa Bay Rays, you've got G-Man Choi and Yandy Diaz, who both have been able to do a very solid job of being able to reach base for this team. Both of these guys at least at 375 on base, so that has been able to work out very well for them. You've got someone in Harold Ramirez hitting well above a 300 as well, so he's been able to do a nice job of being able to supply for this bunch. You do need a couple guys to be able to pick it up, someone like Avita Lebrujan. Has certainly been far from terrific for this team. You need a little bit more out of Brett Phillips as well. He's hitting below the middle sign of a 200, but by and large, you do have quite a few guys that have been able to do a relatively solid job with this bunch. And then you take a look at the flip side once you're able to get out of the Kansas City Royals. And right now, the only healthy player that has been able to give this team a double-digit amount of homers this season, that'd be Bobby Wood Jr. Wood Jr. has been able to right around at 275 over the last three days for this team. Andrew Benatendi, he is certainly the subject of a lot of trade conversation. He's been able to above a 300 as well. Whit Merrifield hitting right around 240. You've got Nicky Lopez sort of in that fold as well. MJ Melendez has not necessarily been too terrific. And when it comes to Kansas City Royals, they've been able to generate a few more runs recently. They're hitting as a collective a 245, but they really just don't have that power in general. And you do take a look at the Royals entering into what we wound up seeing on Saturday. They had scored three runs or fewer in really four out of their last five games. So the offense has begun to be a little bit of an issue with the team. And what else is an issue? This bad bullpen as right now they are last in the American League in terms of bullpen ERA. Josh Seamount has out. Looks like himself ever since coming off of the injury list. Dylan Coleman has been okay. He's been able to give you right around a three ERA, but Amir Garrett north of a six ERA. He has been an albatross. Wyatt Mills is north of a four five ERA. Been able to get a little bit of something out of someone like Joe Payamps with a 3-3 ERA, but I do think that the Rays should be a relatively sizable favorite. Set them as a minus 151. A north of plus 110, I'd be willing to take a look at the run line as well. An 8.5 or less, looking over 9 or higher to the under. 9.23-9.24 on the betting board. We've got the Cleveland Guardians. They're going to be in the road faceoff against the Chicago White Sox. Still in season to cease. Going to be going for the Sox and Shane Bieber Fever. It's going to try to make a lot believers for the Cleveland Guardians. And when it comes to the White Sox, you're finding them anywhere between minus 124 and minus 130 favorites between plus 110 and plus 118. Your price on Cleveland. 7.5 is your total. The under is anywhere between minus 110 and minus 120. The over is anywhere between even and minus 110. And with the White Sox, was willing to lay up to a minus 129 with them. I'm going to be willing to take them because Dylan Cease has been so good with his swing and miss stuff all season long. And I do think that he's going to be solid once again. Now he is going up against a Cleveland Guardians lineup that they are the best team in not striking out out in the big leagues. But for Cease, his strikeouts per nine rate is north of 12 right now. 150 punch outs in one or in four and two thirds innings. Just a 215 ERA as well as he's also been able to do a good job of being able to keep the ball in the yard. Right around .7 home runs. Surrender per nine innings has actually been significantly worse at home rather than on the road. A lot of this is because he's played against some of your more formidable offenses like the Yankees and the Red Sox at home rather than on the road. But by and large, has been able to do a very solid job. The one fear that you've got with Cease is that he does wind up giving up right around four walks per nine innings. But you do take a look at Shane Bieber on the flip side. The swing and miss stuff is down. He's actually been better with the walk. So we're seeing a little bit of a reversal there with Bieber. He's been giving up right around 2.2 walks per nine innings. Strikeouts per nine rate. Still a nine. And the last time he faced off against the White Sox, this was at home. Won a complete game. Won a giving up one run. So looked dominant there after he gave up three plus runs in each out of his previous four starts. And for Bieber, he's actually been more of a believer on the road. A three ERA on the road compared to a 3.59 at home. Though six out of his seven home runs surrendered this season. They have wanted coming on the road, but still seven home runs given up in over 100 innings. You're certainly going to be taking that. And for the Cleveland Guardians, just have so many guys that will be able to get on base for this team. Jose Ramirez, Stephen Kwan, Amid Rosario. All these guys are hitting at least a 284 for this bunch. And Ramirez leading the way with 19 home runs. You've got Josh Naylor and Andres Jimenez combining for 24 home runs. Naylor is hitting right around 280. 
Andres Jimenez hitting right around 300. The young outfielder for the team in Nolan Jones has been able to get on base as well. And then for the Chicago White Sox, you certainly have your guys that are able to get on base for you as well. Tim Anderson, Jose Abreu, Luis Robert, all these guys are at least a 295 along with Andrew Vaughn as well. But got guys like A.J. Pollock, Yasmani Grandal at the bottom of the fold. They just have not been able to find it this season. Grandal fresh off of the injured list. And for the Chicago White Sox, it's a bullpen that... It's very top-heavy because you've got Liam Hendricks along with Kendall Graveman. Both of these guys have been very dominant, but I mean, Joe Kelly has north of a 6 ERA thus far this season. I actually like what I, you've seen out of the failed starter. says you've got Jimmy Lambert coupled with Ronaldo Lopez who have been able to give you a sub-3-3 ERA for the Cleveland Guardians. The failed starters of this team, Eli Morgan, Sam Antiges, may begun to regress a little bit, but you've had Emmanuel Classe really be dominant, a sub-2 ERA thus far this season. Then on top of that, Trevor Steven, a sub-3 ERA. Nick Sandlin has been solid out there in the bullpen as well, so I do think that you're going to get yourself a very low-scoring game in this one. I did wind up saying my total at a 7.1. Here at a 7.5, I'm going to be willing to take it under, but with the way that Dylan Cease is pitching, don't want to go against someone to lay up to a minus 129 with the White Sox. So, looking White Sox and looking under as we go 925-926 on the bang board. The Walker Texas Rangers at third faceoff against the Oakland A's as Paul Blackburn is going to be going for the A's and Marty Perez. He is going to be on the bump for Texas. Texas is back to finding themselves in between minus 122 and minus 130 favorites. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at Oakland, you're going to be getting the number two plus 110 and plus 115 as an underdog with 8 to 7 and a half being your total on the 7 and a half. The over is minus 120 and the under is even on the 8. The under is minus 120 and the over is even. With Martin Perez, we did begin to see a little bit of regression with him towards the back half of the first half of the season with Paul Blackburn. I feel like we wound up seeing the same with him. And for Paul Blackburn, he's got some very strange home and road splits. I needed at least a plus 117 to be able to take a shot on the Oakland A's in this spot. So being able to get them right around about a plus 115, I would need this to hike up a little bit, though. We did wind up seeing an opener of a plus 120 on Oakland as well. So if we wind up getting back to closer to opener numbers, I'm going to be willing to take a shot on Oakland because I do think that there is going to be a little bit of a reversal in terms of his home and road splits because it's right now I got a 6.75 ERA at home compared to a sub-2 ERA on the road. It just makes no sense. Seven out of his nine home runs have wanted coming at home in Oakland. He's about as pitcher-friendly as it gets now. During the daytime, it is a little bit more of a hitter-friendly ballpark. And with Martin Perez, he certainly has been able to do a solid job all season long in keeping the ball in the yard. Seven home runs in 111 innings. But you do want to throw caution that he has given up five home runs over the course of his last three starts, which means that he had pretty much given up two home runs in his first, I would say, about 98 to 99 innings of the season. So we are starting to see that reverse itself a little bit. And for Martin Perez, he has been able to do a solid job when facing off against Oakland this season in two starts. He has allowed one run in 13 innings, and this certainly is an Oakland A's team that, boy oh boy, it has not been going well for the lineup right now. As you take a look at the starting lineup that they trotted out there on Saturday, you did wind up having one guy hitting above a 246 for the team. That'd be Dermis Garcia, who had been going 4 of 10 going into that game, so fair to say that we could take him off the books, but you got guys like Chad Pinder, Ramon Laureano, Sean Murphy hitting between about a 235 to 246, and I will say, now I have a trio of guys in Laureano, Sean Murphy, along Seth Brown, who have been able to give the team a double amount of homers, but certainly has been rough for them. Meanwhile, for the Texas Rangers, you just have more balanced power in terms of the team. Nate Lowe, Marcus Simeon, Cole Calhoun, all between 11 and 13 home runs. 
Jonah Heim. You're able to throw him in that fold as well. Corey Seager has been able to go deep 22 times. And got a lot of guys in this lineup hitting between about a 235 to a 250. Jonah Heim is a little bit above that, but Corey Seager, Marcus Simeon, Adolis Garcia, you're able to throw in there. Even someone like their backup catcher and Mabry's Violia. He has been able to do that. Ezekiel Duran has been able to get on base as well. And for the Rangers, the one thing they might be a little bit inferior on is the bullpen. They didn't wind up having a chance to be able to save it too much yesterday. And on top of that, we have seen a little bit of regression since Joe Barlow wanted going on the injureless Brock Burke. He's been able to give you a sub-2 ERA. It has been a relatively solid season for guys like Garrett Richards and Dennis Santana. But both of these guys are starting to see a fall off. Matt Moore has been able to give you a sub-2 ERA. But these guys regressing has been a little bit tough. And then for the Oakland A's, you do have a quadrant of guys that have been able to post up an ERA of pretty much a 3-2 or better as You've been able to have that out of Domingo Acevedo, Samal, A.J. Puck, and Zach Jackson. Now, when you get to guys like Austin Pruitt, Lou Trevino, they have not necessarily been so trustworthy, but I do think that you're going to be able to get a relatively solid start here out of Paul Blackburn. I do think that he's going to be able to look a little bit more dominant at home, and I do think that this is going to be another game played in a very pitcher-friendly ballpark of Oakland that is going to be relatively low-scoring. I did wind up setting my total as a result as 7.9. I'm wanting to take an 8-under rather than a 7.5-over personally, so I'm going to be taking a look at that 8-under. And with the ace, when it's all said and done, I'm pretty sure that because we did wind up seeing an opener right around a plus 120, that I'm going to be able to get north of a plus 117. So right now, that's where I'm looking. If we do wind up getting the Rangers more around a minus 115, would certainly be one to take a look there. But right now, I will be taking a look most likely at the ace and taking a look at an under as well. As we wind up going 927, 928 in the main board. You've got the Houston Astros hitting the road to face off against the Seattle Mariners. Robbie Ray is going to be going for the M's and Frumber Valdez. It's going to be on the bump for the Astros. With the Astros, you are finding them in between a minus 108 and minus 115 favorite. In between even money and minus 105, your price on Seattle. Seven is your total. The over is minus 120 and the under is even. I do feel like the Astros should be a slight favorite here. I was willing to lay up to a minus 112 with them. Mostly seeing up to pretty much a max of a minus 110 aside from DraftKings, which has a minus 115, which means that I'm going to be taking a look at the Astros at current numbers with Framber Valdez. He has been absolutely dominant on the road as he's got overall for the season a 266 ERA, but that drops to a buck 86 on the road compared to a 404. You're right at home. His swinging miss stuff has been really starting to pick up as he's getting right around eight strikeouts per nine innings. But you take a look at what he's been able to do over his last five starts, more like a nine strikeouts per nine inning rate. And in that time span, bonus earning a buck eighty-three off of him compared to a two oh nine overall for the season has been able to keep the ball in the yard, giving up less than a home run per nine innings as well. Now you take a look at dominance and how about what Robbie Ray has been able to do down the stretch as he has allowed one run or fewer and now all but one out of his last seven starts. So, you know, he's really been able to kick it up now. Home runs are still a little bit of an issue with him. He has given up four home runs over the course of his last three starts despite being on this recent stretch. But that said, he also has been able to give the team at least six innings in each out of the team's last seven starts. And he's backed up by a bullpen that over the last 35 days, they have posted up right around a 175 ERA. That is the best mark out there in the big leagues. And for the Seattle Mariners, offense might be a little bit harder to come by. You don't necessarily have a bunch of matchers in this lineup. But with that said, certainly Julio Rodriguez has been able to do a solid job along with and you Eugenio Suarez. You did wind up having Rodriguez wind up getting the day off yesterday, but both of these guys, 16 home runs, both of these guys posting up right around 335 on base, but even without him, you still have Ty France, 
who's been able to get about a 300 for the team. And you've got a lot of guys that will be able to do a solid job of just being able to move the line. In general, J.P. Crawford, he's hitting a 265 overall for the season. Jesse Winker hitting just a 230. But you take a look at him after he wound up having that suspension from the Angels brawl. And he's been able to give the team nearly a 350 on base. So that has been good for this bunch. You've got Kyle Lewis, the rookie of the year from 2020, back in the fold. And then for the Houston Astros, got plenty of guys who have been able to do a solid job of being a reach base for the team as well as... Kyle Tucker, along with Jake Myers, throwing their Jeremy Pena. These guys are in between about a 250 to a 265. Pena has been able to give you a double-digit amount of homers. And then Kyle Tucker, along with Jose Altuve. Both of these guys, between 17 and 18 home runs apiece. Jordan Alvarez, what more could be said about him? 28 bombs. He's been able to hit well above a 300 as well. Now, you do need a little bit more from the bottom of the fold. Yuli Gurriel, along with Elamendis Diaz, and the entire catcher spot has been a little bit rough. But for the Houston Astros, bullpen has been so dominant all season long. You got an Astros team that has a sub-275 bullpen ERA as Ryan Sanek, Rafael Montero, Seth Martinez, all been able to post up ERAs that are below a 2. Hector Neris has been a little bit all over the place, and Ryan Presley has been dealing with a little bit of an injury, but even someone like Brian Abreu has been able to post up a 3 ERA thus far this season, and for the Seattle Mariners, guys like A. Diego Casio, Andres Munoz, that wound up having a very rough start to begin the season. They have really been able to do a good job of being able to come into their own after having north of 4-5 ERAs the first two months of the season. They have been dominant ever since then. Paul Seawald has been a constant for the team, so I do think that runs are going to be relatively relatively hard to come by in this spot. I did wind up saying my total has 6.8 as a result, so even at the 7, I'm going to be taking a look at the under end with the Astros. One to lay up to a minus 112 with them, and we wrap things up with 929-930 on the bang board, the LA Angels. At the red face-off against the Atlanta Braves, Ian Anderson is going to be going for the Bravos, and Reed Detmers is on the bump for the Angels. Halos are finding themselves as a underdog at anywhere to plus 165 at plus 173. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at LA, saying we're team minus 186 and minus 195. Nine is your total over and under, both at minus 110, and when it comes to Los Angeles, I wind up saying them as nearly a $2 underdog in the spot. If you're taking a look at the run line of the Atlanta Braves, you're right now finding it at even money. And with the Braves run line, I was willing to take it as long as I was laying a minus 105 or less. And when it comes to this Atlanta Braves bunch, they have an offense that is just certainly firing all cylinders. And for Reed Detmers, even though he did wind up having that no-hitter a little bit earlier in the season, he's just not a guy that is currently getting a lot of swings and misses. He is just having guys get make too much contact on him in general. As for Detmers, strikeouts per nine rate in the neighborhood about 7.2. He has been giving up right around 1.35-ish home runs per nine innings as well. And you take a look at Detmers on the road, a 5.26 road ERA compared to a 3.45 at home, despite the fact that of his 11 home runs surrendered, only five four of them have on it coming on the road. Now, opponents are only inning about a buck 99 off of Reed Detmers. I certainly do think that this is a case in which it is going to be going up. And for Ian Anderson, he has had his woes as well, especially in terms of giving up the free pass. 4.4 walks per nine innings, but only giving up right around one home run per nine innings. He's 7.8 strikeouts per nine innings. He needs to go a little bit upward as well. And he does have a 531 home ERA, the big reason why opponents are going to get 273 off of him. But he's been a little bit unlucky on balls in play as well. And for the Atlanta Braves, speaking of putting balls in play, they have been able to do that all season long. Matt Olson. He has really caught fire. He's been able to get like six home runs over the course of his last, I believe it's now, 11 games. So he has been tremendous. Austin Riley, he's hitting a 285, 27 home runs entering into Saturday. 
got Adam Duvall, who's been rough this season, but still giving the team a double-digit amount of former Saints v. Swanson. 15 home runs, 14 stolen bases, hitting at 290, entering into Saturday as well. Ronald Acuna Jr. doing a great job of being able to get on base. You got Michael Harris, who's hitting a 285 as well. And for the LA Angels, they're dealing with an injury to Mike Trout, which means that you need Jared Walsh and Taylor Ward, a pair of guys with a combined 25 home runs to be able to step up. Walsh is only hitting about a 240 for the season. Then you got a bunch of guys like Jonathan VR, Kurt Suzuki, Brandon Marsh. They're hitting a 225 or lower. Michael Stefanovic has not been able to give you a lot as well. Shoei Otani, we all know what he's able to do. 19 home runs. He's hitting at 255. But for the Angels, Ryan Tapera, Aaron Loop, along with Rossi Iglesias, your 7th through ninth inning guys. All these guys have been posting up a 375 ERA or higher. So that has been a massive issue for this bunch. And then for the Atlanta Braves, you've got A.J. Minter who's been posting up a sub 25 ERA along Dylan Lee. Kenley Jansen has been a run line blower for the team this season. You really don't want any part of him in the ninth inning if you wind up taking this run line, but that said, Will Smith has been able to get jiggy with it. Tyler Madzik, he's back in the fold as well, so I do think that the Braves should be relatively dominant in this spot. I am willing to lay the run line with them, and I did wind up saying my total at a 9.7. I think that Detmer's going to get a little bit more unlucky on balls in play, and I think that the Atlanta Braves are going to be making a lot of contact in this game, so looking over and looking run line of the Braves, and that will wrap things up for the Sunday edition of the Baseball Betting Show, now part of the Beeson Family Podcast. A big thanks to our man, Justin Barry over there at OddsJacker for joining me in the last segment. If you do like hearing from this fine podcast, Baseball Betting Show, you're able to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. If you've got a question, comment, segment, idea, whatever you for this podcast, you do have one of two ways to be able to those in. First one is my Twitter timeline, at GNRS41. Keep in mind, letters here. Amy does not matter, so as per usual, please just send these into the timeline. The other way is find an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated from there. You're able to find whatever you'd like here on this podcast. Five, that five-star review coming at you guys every single day throughout the baseball season. That means coming at you guys once again tomorrow. Thank you so much for tuning in. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. This episode brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Director Wes Ball breathes new life into the epic franchise. As a ruthless king attempts to build his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape begins a journey to fight for a future for apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Enter the kingdom in IMAX this Friday and theaters everywhere. Get tickets now. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. 
Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details.